Hey there, it's Ashley Stahl here, counterterrorism professional turned career and business coach. And I am here for those moments when you look in the mirror and you realize it's time to make some sort of radical change or U-turn in your life so that you can stop operating on cruise control and start living your life on purpose. So join me here on the U-Turn podcast every single week where you're going to be hearing from inspiring, insightful guests, be it CEOs, spiritual leaders, love experts, or of course, yours truly so that you can become your very best self without having to take life so seriously. And don't forget, if you head on over to U-TurnPodcast.com, that's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N Podcast.com, you're going to get access to show notes, which have books and resources mentioned by our guests, as well as access to one of my four free e-courses over at U-TurnPodcast.com. Whether you want to land a new job you love, get clarity on the best career path for you, launch that dream business or deepen your romantic relationships. Okay, enough about me. Let's get this party started with this week's guest. This episode is brought to you by Cake Publishing, ghostwriting, publicity, and copywriting house there to help influencers and entrepreneurs get their voice out there in a much bigger way. If you're ready to make a bigger impact, head on over to cakepublishing.com. That's C-A-K-E publishing.com. Hey, Ashley Stahl here over at the U-Turn Podcast. We are bringing on Vanessa Horn. She's not only a marketing coach to so many entrepreneurs uh, and people working in multi-level marketing, but she's also really a genius at helping you listen to yourself and be intentional and really use mo- life moments and awarenesses to help you change your life and change directions and make a U-Turn so that you're more on purpose when it comes to your decisions. So I want to welcome Vanessa Horn to the show. I know you're going to learn a lot. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, an honor. Yeah, no. And those of you listening, Vanessa has helped me in my business um, over the years, and it's just really beautiful to have her here helping you. And I asked her to talk with me because she, her zone of genius spans from clarity to you know businesses um, to fulfillment and avoiding burnout, and so. And sales. And so what we're actually going to talk about is how to figure out your sweet spot of where you can make the most money, whether you want to do a side hustle, start your own business, and be the most fulfilled. So Vanessa, I'm sure that this has been a journey for you yourself to figure out your purpose uh, through entrepreneurship and how you can be the most fulfilled and the most lucrative. So what has this looked like for you? The interesting that I... The interesting thing that I've seen for most of us, and and as you can attest, Ashley, it's a tweaking process, right? Like, it's not like you ever feel like you arrive. (laughs) And so we have these glimpses of like complete fulfillment. It's like, oh my gosh, this is it. And then there's a stretching to a new level, to something new. And what I've discovered along this journey is if we look back, if we look back once we hone in on that thing that we're like, okay, this is, this is, I feel like I'm on it. We can look back and see clues of it. So as I'm doing this work that I'm doing now, I can even look back to clues of when I was in high school, clues of when I was in college. And it's like, oh yeah, I've been kind of doing this all along. So mm-hmm. it's exciting. I remember when I was in college, one of my one of my girlfriends used to tease and she's like, if you don't know your purpose, go into Vanessa's dorm room. Like she'll help you figure it out. 
I could totally see that. Oh my gosh. And what would you do? So like, I know a lot of people who are listening purpose is a overwhelming question, whether you're in the workforce or you want to start a business. So what are some recommendations that you have um, as a starting point for everybody listening to get closer to who they are and how they can use that in the workforce? Well, one of the myths that I really challenge, uh, and fortunately, and I'll share like the the distinction that I make, is that we're told do what you love and the money will follow. And yet, here I am now in my early 40s, and I can tell you like being a little bit wiser in my years now compared to what I was experiencing in some of my earlier aspirations is seeing like, oh my gosh, I have come across some extraordinarily talented people who are struggling financially. So what was the distinction of doing what you love, but also making money from it? And what I've created as this framework for getting clarity on that, that sweet spot of where you'll make the most money and also have the most fulfillment is what I call your signature sweet spot. And it's a combination of three things. And I kind of will share my story in parallel as I share each one of these. But the first is, it is important to honor your heart in this journey. Like you and I have had those conversations, Ashley, and you know, like entrepreneurship or doing your own side hustle, it's not for the faint of heart. No, no. <laughs> and so if you're going to be, if you're going to be in it when the, t- the times get tough, you have to be certain that you're doing something that you love versus what some people do is they'll say, well, I'll work on this in order to someday do this. That's what I call like your plan B. You're doing your plan B before your plan A. No, just go for the getting the clarity on what do you really, really, really love and then invest in finding a mentor, somebody who has fine-tuned monetizing that particular business model because in most cases, it's just a certain business model around what it is that you love that you have to figure out but not compromising that 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 love that you have. And the, the scale in which I measure things is a scale of one to 10. And so many of us who are multiple, have multiple passions, competent in multiple areas will find that it's the sevens, it's the eights, it's the nines, even the 9.9s that if we pursue, they'll end up costing us the 10. And so we have to start making like the little baby decisions every single day that, okay, does this feel like a 10 for me? If not, can I make it a 10? If not, I need, need it, need to leave it as a no for now and leave this space for the 10 to show up. Even, even to little things like going shopping and you pull a, you pull a top off of the, you know, off of the rack and you're like, do I like this? Do I not? If you have that question mark, just call it a no and just mm-hmm. create quality. Just choose the 10s in every situation and learn to fine tune that, that, um, your preferences fine tune what feels good for you. And, and it means sometimes it's going contrary to what you may have been conditioned or what your family calls a 10 or what your, some of your peers may call a 10. And it, that's what I call like really honoring yourself. And it's okay. Whatever's a 10 for you. 
select that. And it takes faith sometimes to let go of the sevens, the eights, the nines, because we're like, wait, uh, this is close, but no, 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 no. Hold out, hold out for the 10. Yes. So, but I also like one thing that came up for me, as you were saying that was around perfectionism. Like how do you figure out what's a 10 for you versus when you're holding on too tightly and not allowing yourself to get what you want because you're being too tied to a certain vision that might not be what's meant for you. Well, it's interesting in the work that I do with my clients, like one of the ways we combat the perfectionist is, um, and most of the time it's our, you know, there's a, there, there, it's our measurements against ourselves, right? And we can really be harsh on ourselves. So I make a distinction here in answering your question that when is it a perfectionist thing that we're holding on to? And like, for instance, as a business owner, and you can probably relate, there have been times where I'm like, hmm, am I, are my standards too high here? Or is this person really not performing at the level that I need them to? And I've just, I've just learned to trust myself and say, if I'm going to be in the top 1% in my market and I'm going to serve the top 1% of clients, it means I'm looking to employ the top 1% of people. That means 99% of people aren't them. And so I hold on to that vision that that quality that I want to have for my, my team members performance. I stopped judging it as, oh, you're just being a perfectionist, Vanessa. I was like, no, I have a quality standard here. And of course, I want to empower them, make sure they have the tools and all of that. But I I didn't let go of that. And what it's helped me to do is build a world-class team. But on the other hand, when it comes to like perfectionism with ourselves, so many times, many of us won't create and put into the world or pursue those things that we want to pursue because we think, oh, I'm not there yet. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite there. And we hold this, this standard for perfectionism before we actually put something out there. And it was founder of LinkedIn who said, if you're not embarrassed by your first launch, then you launched too late. <laughs> and so there's what I do with my clients is I say, like, if it feels like it's 80% ready, yeah. If you feel like it's 80% ready, go for it because it's the speed of implementation. It's the being in momentum that's going to allow you to tweak to get from 80% to 100%. So is that clarity of that distinction clear? Yeah. And it also just makes me think a lot about success because I think a lot of the times we might be focused on things that aren't going to move the needle. Like with the webinar that I created to sell the job off my job offer course now um, called the job offer Academy. But back then I remember putting slides together myself and thinking, you know, hopefully somebody will buy my job hunting course. And eventually when people did and I scaled my presentation and put it in front of a lot of eyeballs, my PowerPoint presentation was so far from perfect. And so many other marketers online were like, what are with your PowerPoint slides? What is with these images you chose? And I'm like, well, I guess I just, you know, took imperfect action and then it worked and now I'm not going to perfect it because it's working. So mm-hmm. I love what you're saying. And I'm also curious when it comes to going against the myth, the core myth of do what you love and money will follow. Um, I know you have some insights on how to discover your sweet spot. So what are some action steps or thoughts that you can offer everybody listening to get more centered on what their purpose is, be it in the workforce, be it as an entrepreneur? So, yeah, that first one is to really honor 
what it is that you love and really pay attention to that and not compromise and not really give up on that. And so um, that's the first one. The mm-hmm. second one has to do with our story and our skill sets. And so this is what I call like your where the overlap of if you look on a Venn diagram, like the first circle is you know, what's your, what do you love? The second one's like, what's your zone of genius? And so the zone of genius, the clues to our zone of genius, the clues to where our purpose intersects with, with where we're going to make the most money is what have you been through in your life? What have you been through that, that challenge that you've experienced fuels your passion and it fuels the things that you have naturally been attracted to consume. So sometimes people will be in a full-time job where secretly they're consuming content or books or workshops on another topic or some entrepreneurs, like they may be marketing one thing and really secretly they're spending all their time consuming another topic. Well, that gives clues to like, what is that passion? And I'll give you um, an example in my own story and it's just really relevant to like a conversation I had this week with a coach where I was, I was talking to her about, there was a particular thing I was experiencing in my business. And I was like, I feel, I feel like pressing the eject, eject button. Like where's the eject button where I can just like, I've said I'm that out. before. Yeah. Where's the TNT button? Like, let's get rid of this thing and blow it up. Yeah. Where it was not about the whole business, but it was like that particular situation. And it felt overwhelming. It felt big. It felt like I could potentially not win. And I like winning. And so it's like, I, I felt like I could make the wrong choice. And she was like, Vanessa, where and when else have you experienced this? And I was like, Oh, I remember. This pressure. She goes, when was the last, when did, when was the first time in your life where you remember feeling this pressure? And I was like, I remember it was when I was four years old and we were living in South America and my mom and dad were fighting and they were going through a separation and my mom was so scared or she wanted, she didn't want my dad to have me and to have us as kids that she put me on a plane by myself at four years old, I don't even know how this was like possible back then, but I remember being accompanied by a flight attendant and I flew from, we were living in Peru at the time and she flew me to Brazil where my grandparents lived in Rio de Janeiro. But when I arrived in Rio, I walked off the plane and there was nobody there to greet me. There was nobody there to get me. Here I am four years old. Like yeah, you can like, imagine you really what that felt four, like. Four years old. Wow. And I remember them taking me to this little room in the, in the airport. It was like a little office. And I remember feeling grilled by the adults. Like what are your grandparents' names? And when you're four, your grandparents' names are grandma and grandpa or vovó and vovó in Portuguese. And so that wasn't helpful. And they're like, well, where do they live? And I was like, I was dumbfounded. I didn't know where they lived. And they started naming these cities in around Rio. Like, do they live in Capacapana? Do they live in Ipanema? And they all sounded like familiar words I had heard, familiar cities I had heard. So I was like, oh, my gosh. I think they live in, they, yes, I just kept saying yes to them. And I, I felt this pressure. You better get it right, Vanessa. Like this is all writing on you getting it right. 
And instead of having an adult who's holding me and saying like, it's okay, (laughs) this probably feels scary, but you're going to be okay. Like you're going to be found or we're going to find them. But instead I felt this pressure of like, do not screw it up. Like Mm -hmm. your livelihood and security is on the line. And that was the pressure that I was feeling around this particular decision in my business. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I, when I was talking to the coach, I was like, this is why I do what I do. I empower people to make good money in their business, particularly around this subject of sales. Why? I did not even realize that at a subconscious level, I was drawn to learning sales and I've been studying sales over the last 15 years because once I figured out that I could be really good at selling while honoring myself and honoring the other person, so it felt really good to both of us. I discovered one of the most powerful skill sets in the world, whether it was selling myself for a job or selling my products or selling my services. The truth is we're selling every single day. I was like, this is an empowering skill. It makes me feel like I have some control. Like I, I don't ever fear that if my business ever went through a challenge that I couldn't recreate it or that I couldn't find a job and make good money selling and it's transferable to any industry. So I was like, oh my gosh, like this is part of why I'm so passionate about empowering others around the skill set of sales because of overcoming that feeling that I had as a child was such an important thing that I later lived out in life. And so it was like a direct connection Mm. to to my purpose based on a challenge that I've had. And so one of the things I really teach my clients to do is like, look at some of the most painful experiences that you've had in your life. What was like maybe an internal, um, you know, dialogue that you told yourself, like maybe back then for me, when I was four, I was like, I'm never going to be like, I'm never going to be in a disempowering situation. You know, it's like, we're not even consciously aware unless we can give words to it. And some, and those can sometimes reveal what our greatest superpower is because we've overcome that challenge in our life. That's so beautiful. And it also makes me think a lot about how many people in the workforce have a story in their mind about security. You know, like how many times have you heard new entrepreneurs or people starting a side hustle saying like, I have, I don't want to lose my job security. And it's like, the more you're talking about sales and being empowered, it's like that is true security where you trust yourself as a creator uh, to be empowered to create things through sales. And that could mean sales as an entrepreneur, sales as a job seeker, whatever have you. And I've said that a lot of times, Vanessa, I mean, people have said to me like, wow, I mean, how do you deal with not having any security if you own your own businesses? And I'm like, what are you talking about? This is the most security I've ever felt. Like if you take my business away, I could recreate it exactly pretty much as it looks. I know how to get a client. I know how to sell. This isn't a problem. And so I guess um, your system around pain, everybody has a different type of pain and I'm guessing not everything lends itself to sales. But what are some suggestions you have for people with sales? What are suggestions do I have to support them around sales and getting good at that? Yeah, like just being a better salesperson, whether they're in the workforce, whether they're uh, their own business. Like, what are some suggestions you might have uh, for everybody listening now to think, yeah, I want to be more empowered through sales, you know, like you are? Well, I think one of the most, um, 
powerful things that we can learn about sales is that it doesn't have to look like what you may have experienced and labeled as yucky. Mm-hmm. There's reasons why stuff felt yucky. And if you don't do them, you won't feel yucky selling them. And I remember it was actually one of my mentors when I was in college. He said, I was like, Hey, what kind of advice would you recommend I do? I do with my career. And he said, go into sales. And I was like, Oh, no, no, I'm not, not sales. And so instead I went into finance because I thought that was like a really marketable skill. And I went and got my MBA and years later, it wasn't until I became an entrepreneur and because I had kids and I wanted to be home with them, I opened a franchise and that franchise, this is probably the best thing I got out of that, that huge franchise fee was the fact that I saw sales demonstrated in a way that felt good. And what I learned in that journey, and this partially ties back to also a pain that I had as a child, which was like I had a painful relationship with my mom where she didn't honor my boundaries at all. Like I was constantly like made to feel bad about my boundaries. And one of the things that I've learned about how to do sales is if you're sensitive to others, if you're sensitive, like if you're a sensitive person, you can actually be really extraordinary in sales because you can be fine tuned to how to honor the other individual because I see sales as service. Mm-hmm. And my heart in any situation for sales is like, what are your challenges? What are you going through? What do you need help around? And let's see if I can help. If I can't help, then I will point you in the direction of who can help. And people feel that. It's a way to be a champion of somebody getting the solution they need. Yucky sales is when you force your solution onto them instead of just really seeing like, are we a match for each other? Is what I have really going to help you? And if not, I'm happy to point you in the direction of what will. And that experience and when I got that franchise and I saw that demonstrated, I was like, Oh my God, I don't even consider myself a salesperson. I can't even freaking talk myself out of a speeding ticket. But dang, once I figured out this system of some of the intricacies of the skill set, but mostly that I could do sales in a way that honored my heart, it honored the other individual, it felt good to both of us. Um, it was coming from a place of service and love and I was holding them to take inspired action to maybe make a bold move, to make a bold step, to do something that felt exciting, but also scary at the same time. And I was like, I've got you. We can do this. And it's like holding their hand and jumping together. You know, that's what sales is to me. And so anybody who's listening and saying like, oh yeah, I had those, those things, those prejudices or judgments around sales. Like my heart is that this will liberate you that you can actually be extraordinary at sales. And my heart always in every single sales conversation is I have the long-term view of any relationship is like, even if they're not going to say yes now, because maybe this wasn't the right fit for them. I know later on, they will always remember that that sales conversation felt so different than anything else that they'd experienced that they will come back around when it's the right, when we're a right match for each other. And I always trust that because people feel honored. They feel good. They felt like I was really 
taking their best interests at heart. And so that's, if anything, I hope your listeners are saying, wow, I never saw sales through that lens before. That feels really good. Mm. I think I could do that and I could see how I could benefit from learning that skill set. Yeah, that's incredible. And you also are such a heartfelt person and kind of going back to your story, which I didn't know that about you. That's an incredible story and example for how an early experience, you being four years old, stuck at the airport, being questioned can translate into how you're showing up in your career now. So I'm curious, like, how can we facilitate for everybody listening this process for themselves? Because I'm, I mean, you're so conscious, Vanessa, and I know everybody listening might be at different levels of their mindset and exploring how their early life might be affecting their career. So do you have any suggestions for getting more centered on an experience and what that might mean for where they are now? Well, I think one of the greatest insights, if we will observe ourselves as like a third party and release any judgment towards ourselves and come from a place of curiosity, curiosity about the other person, curiosity about ourselves and notice when we feel triggered, notice even like when somebody else might be triggered. For me, the biggest um insights into things, just like the example I gave during this, this interview, which was, I was being triggered by this feeling of like, I need to press the eject button. This feels too big. I'm scared. I'm going to make the wrong decision was a trigger for me. I noticed anxiety rising up in me. I noticed I felt stressed. I noticed I couldn't sleep that night and it gave me, it allowed me to say, okay, let me get support around this to help me see this from a third party perspective. Let me get, bring curiosity to this trigger that's showing up and what's it revealing to me. And to me, like relationships are, are some of the most like, triggers we may have with our boss or with our coworkers or with a team member or with somebody else in our life. Like those are some of the biggest, um, catalyst for personal growth, in my opinion, if we will bring curiosity, release judgment about them, release judgment about ourselves and just say like, hey, what's going on here? There's something that's getting triggered here. What am I feeling? It's okay to feel that feeling. What's behind that feeling? Did I ever feel this feeling before? What am I afraid of? What am I trying to control to make happen here? What am I what is, what is my body telling me that I'm ignoring? Like those are all kinds of curiosity questions that I might ask myself. And those are ways that I get insights into, Oh, here's what's going on. And here's how, how it can support me. Just that insight has me continue to grow. Got it. Wow. And for those, so is, that, is that specific enough and yeah, helpful? Yeah. And I think that in personal development, we talk about triggers all the time. And I know a lot of people listening probably know about them, but if you don't, it's just really something that you have going on when your peace is disturbed, I guess would be a fair way to say it. If you ever notice that your peace is thrown off and something's agitating you or upsetting you, something is triggering a reaction in you. I think that's where you kind of get to tell yourself like school's in session and you're your own student and you have to kind of watch yourself and notice like how are you behaving or thinking differently and how is that an opportunity to go into that observer mode where you don't make yourself wrong, but you just pay attention. Is that what you're saying, Vanessa? Yeah. Yeah. Whenever, especially when emotion is spiked, yeah. right? A, a unpleasant emotion. Mm -hmm. That's a trigger. Okay. 
Got it. And going back to like how to use your pain um, as a tool for clarity in your career, what are some other steps you can suggest for everybody listening to get more clear on what they want to do in their career, especially if it is an entrepreneurial one? Well, there's usually when I ask people like, what are you good at? And the most common answers people give are like general characteristics. Like I'm good at inspiring people. I'm good at coaching people. I'm good at, um, I'm good at listening. I'm good at the, those are general characteristics. The other clue that you really want to pay attention to though is what skill sets what natural skill sets are you good at? And here's a clue to what may be your zone of genius that you most commonly are overlooking. And that is if, if I did a cross country trip with you in the car, how would I be different as a result of that trip? What might I learn about and be like completely fascinated that you know so much about? Just because we did that road trip together, you didn't have a laptop, you didn't have notes, you didn't have books to reference. It just flowed out of you. Or even if we sat across from, from each other over coffee and I was like, how do you, how did you blank Mm -hmm. or how do you blank? And you're like, oh, one, two, three, four, five. Like that's zone of genius stuff that I have just seen over and over with my clients. They're like, really? Somebody would pay me for that. And I'm like, yes, yes. Now let's go find the business model that supports you getting paid for that. (laughs) And so that's most commonly our zone of genius we're overlooking, but it's a combination of things that we've done or learned or even experienced ourselves over time. That is a skill set that we've developed. Mm, And I'm sure everybody listening, I would say, is thinking about pulling out a paper and a pen to start writing what they would do in the, in a road trip. Um, are there any other exercises or action steps that you would recommend along this line of other ways to think like, what is my zone of genius? Cause I know for, in our case, Vanessa, if I was on a road trip with you, I would assume that you would probably get me better at sales just by being you. And I would probably talk to you about feelings because that's what I'm always doing is helping people feel, um, yeah. <laughs> and networking, helping people build better relationships and contacts. So what else, what else yeah. could somebody do? <laughs> um, so the other, the other insights, um, are what gets you fired up? What I call like your soapbox. What gets you fired up that if we asked your family and friends, they would say, Oh boy, don't even get them started. Don't get her started. And it's your soapbox. Like you just like go off. <laughs> on a topic that gives you a clue to something that you should do that you should be tied to or even if it's a part of your purpose of what your company helps fund or like part of your funds are contributed to something um, uh, from a nonprofit perspective to help fuel something else by by what you're good at so I always pay attention to what gets you fired up what are your um, what are things that you would do that if you're getting a massage, and your massage therapist started talking to you like, this is a real example. I'm on the massage table and my massage therapist had just kind of informed me that she was going to go off and start her own versus this, this chain that she worked for that I always went to every week. And I was like, Oh, so have you, this is like what I was doing naturally, even on a 
on a massage table. I should have been like, there's, you know, most weeks I'm like not saying a word, but this week I was like, oh, so have you calculated how many, how many customers you need to replace your income here? She's like, oh, no. I was like, that's like just something that came out of me because that's how my brain thinks, right? Because then it would be reverse engineer her sales based on how many customers she needs to replace. Like so easy peasy. And so if there's something that would just come out naturally, your hairdresser's doing your hair and you're like, oh, and you just start explaining something that if somebody was taking notes, they could write down a little system of like, oh, one, two, three, four, five. Like that gives a clue of like something that you could potentially coach around, something that you could be hired for. Like I met a, I saw a guy who, who built an entire business around basically a pitch. Like if somebody asks you at a networking event, what do you do? That one sentence is his whole business, a book, a coaching program, speaking, no kidding, that one single sentence. Mm. <laughs> so don't discount what, you, what you're really good at and that there is a business that you can build around it. What I've found is every single business that I've done, I've done franchise, I've done network marketing, I've done coaching industry. These have all been from finding, discovering what I loved, what made me feel alive, and then finding who was really, really good at that business model and let me pay them and learn from them. I do not need to reinvent the wheel. Let me just follow the processes and systems that work. And then I can all, you know, create my own little twist on it once I got the fundamentals up and momentum created. And this actually gets me to ask you, Vanessa, like not everybody is meant, like we said earlier, to be an entrepreneur. And so I'm curious when it comes to, you know, somebody doing the work of the clarity and figuring out what their pain is and who they are on a road trip and really implementing to get connected to their zone of genius. What are some indicators for you? Because I know there's some really smart people in my life where even if they hired the person who has the perfect system, that if they followed it, they would have a business, but they're going to get in their own way, not because they have mental resistance perhaps, but because they're just not meant to be an entrepreneur. So what are some indicators would you say of somebody who is on purpose when it comes to being a business owner versus someone who might want to think about staying in the workforce? There's a, I'm a big assessments person, like as far as like personality and profiling assessments and stuff to give insight to, to see. Um, and I've just, of course, because of working with entrepreneurs for the last 15 years, I've kind of seen some patterns of the ones that do best as an entrepreneur. And I'll just give you like a couple of them. But one is the Colby Index. I don't know if you ever heard of the Colby Index. Yep. yep. I love that one. It's everybody listening. It's I'll put it in the show notes, but it's K-O-L-B-E. Index A, right? Right, right. Index A. And there's what I've seen as a common index of entrepreneurs is a quick start. Quick start, like means your score is like on the higher end of quick start because part of being a entrepreneur is you have to be visionary. You have to have a certain tolerance for risk and you have to be willing to what that index will measure is like you just go for it. Like you don't even have to have the full picture or all the T's crossed and all the I's dotted. Like you have a certain resilience of just like, okay, I'm going to freaking go for it. Um, that risk tolerance is high enough that you, that helps to create success. Whereas some people who are more like, you know what? I just like stability. I like maintaining 
I'm like maintaining stuff that's already been figured out by somebody else. I may even love being behind the scenes and letting somebody else shine. Um, I may love just somebody else giving, giving direction to my every day and that I don't wake up as an entrepreneur and have to figure out what my priorities are and what's, and learning the skill sets of sales and marketing and what I might be really good at and running a team. Like there's just so much to being an entrepreneur that you, you may not be wired for that. If you're just like, I just want to show up, do my job, turn it off, go home. And even in that role, you can still be extremely well fulfilled and still make a lot of money. (laughs) So, you know, you can, you can maybe find even a mentor in your own job, um, in your own job journey that can help you get to those positions that you, you know, that you would be most fulfilled in if you're not wired to be an entrepreneur and it's completely okay. Like I know, I know on a big entrepreneur podcast who is like, Nope, I'm unemployable. Like we should be unemployable. And I'm like, you know what? There's no shame in being employed. There's no shame in that. But some of us who are entrepreneurs, like we don't care the risk. We don't, we don't care about that. Some of those things, like we love our freedom so much. We're willing to do those things because of the time freedom and flexibility that we want. Mm -hmm. And there's also a fine line, don't you think? Because I think a lot of, for example, I was coaching the COO of a hospital. And when I asked her what, when she was the most lit up at work, she started talking a lot about how she was the happiest when she had a lot of freedom in her schedule. And I'm like, okay, that's great. And that has nothing to do with your actual like the the skills that you're using, like talk to me about your skills. And I thought for a minute, maybe she's meant to be an entrepreneur, but some people just want freedom, but they actually don't want to do the work. And that's fine. Like, but at the same time, I guess I'm trying to figure out like, how does somebody check in with themselves to get that distinction? Like, you know, cause we hear a lot of people saying, Oh, I want to have freedom. And it's like, okay, that's great. But are you willing to do the work that comes with creating that freedom? Right. Yeah. And I remember when I was working full-time corporate, my little strategy (laughs) was what is the most money I can make without having a team, without having to manage people. And I like, I was strategic in my entire career, made six figures, made good money in corporate without having to manage a team. And it was like, I was strategic about those moves. Sales is one of the most um, empowering ways to do that. Another reason why I love it so much, but there were even other roles that I had as financial analysts where I just had big accounts or I had important projects where I had independence. I was able to do some international travel and I didn't have to manage people. Like this is a whole nother ball game when you're managing people. And that was a strategic career move that I made while I was inside of inside the corporate structure. Got it. Got it. And what is your quick start number, by the way, Vanessa, on the Colby test? An eight. Me too. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. <laughs> And I, I don't remember what my other number was, but there's a number for like details and facts finding, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like a two. Like, I don't want to know the details. Oh, funny. I know. Just a quick Yeah, I, I mean, I was just looking at the Colby Index this week, I think. And there was even an insight that it, and I find like all of them, like doing Discover Your Strengths. I think it's Marcus Buckingham has that book. Like, that's a good one. Your Strengths Finders. Find, get that book if you guys haven't done it to get an indication of what might be some of your zone of genius 
Um, but the, one of the Colby things was in the mid range for, um, I'll remember which, which, um, characteristic it was, but it said, you're a fantastic editor. You're a fantastic editor. Like, don't be the one who puts the little step by step systems in place, but you're a perfecter of stuff that's already in place. And I realized like even with my clients where they can have an entire sales or marketing system and I can, it was much more difficult to get them online for the first time versus looking at what they have in place and then being able to say, Oh, you're leaking money right there. You're leaking money right there. You're leaking money right there. Let's tweak this and this. And like, boom, they were making like significant increases in sales. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. Yes. That's why the editing and why the, the reviews and the audits are so much easier for me versus like helping somebody do it step by step by step. And so those, those indexes, those assessments, they give us insights and we start to see those patterns and there's nothing that's going to give greater clarity than just taking action and then paying attention to how you feel. Did you like that? Did you not? Did you like that kind of work? Did you not? Did you like that kind of client? What do you like instead? And you just start to make your journey and weave and, don't expect to be there. I mean, Ashley, what, within the last two and a half years, I've seen such an incredible journey for you. And people might say, oh, you've arrived, you've arrived. And I have no, no doubt that your journey is going to continue to evolve because you're taking action. You're paying attention to what feels good and you're course correcting along the way. Which is what it's all about, by the way. Thank you. Because how many people get stuck on going out and doing what they want to do because they're afraid it's not the right thing where it's like, look, if you take action and you court and you give yourself permission to just course correct along the way, you're going to get closer to what you're meant to actually be doing. Um, which makes me think to ask you, Vanessa, do you have any suggestions for people who are stuck in perfection paralysis? Really what's behind the perfection paralysis um, is fear, is fear. And one of the most powerful ways that I've discovered to work with fear is reframes, any kind of reframe. Um, and so it gives a different point of view of the same situation. Now, like Robert Demartini has a process where he'll have you work through like, how would that happening, the very thing you fear or the very bad thing that may have happened to you, like, how was it perfect? How was it perfect? Or how, if you wanted it to go another way, how would that not have benefited you? And so it's part of his like breakthrough process. Mm. Um, like one of my fears that I had as an entrepreneur was like, well, what if I end up homeless? Like I, we like experienced some very severe poverty traveling the world. Um, when I was young, like to where, like I was like legitimately like hungry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so uh, there was this fear that I had, like, what if I build this business and then it, you know, something happens to it and I, we go, we, I, I risk our family. Cause when I went to go pursue my coaching and consulting business, I mean, I, we were literally draining our savings. We, so all of this like cushion secure thing, I was like, no, I'm going to do this. Like, I just know I'm supposed to do this. And it did not go well. The first 18 months, I did not create a single client. Meanwhile, I ate through hundreds of thousands of dollars and I remember being so scared, like, are, am I going to put our family 
in, like into a homeless shelter. Like somebody asked me, like, what's the worst that can happen? I'm like, we can be in a homeless shelter. Mm-hmm. And as I started to explore that, and and uh, Tim Ferriss talks about this, I asked myself the question, like, well, let's just say that that did happen. Like, let's go there to where I really fear. And I started to think through it, and I was like, okay, let's say we end up in a homeless shelter. And I'm like, hmm, you know what? Like, I have some connections in the bedding industry. Like, as long as I have a good bed, like, I think I'll be okay. And I was <gasps> like, I could get people to donate beds like these Sealy Posturepedic I worked for them at one point so I know that they have these friends and family cells where they're dumping market samples and we can totally get those market samples donated to the homeless shelter and then I started to think about ways that I would empower the people at the homeless shelter and I was like oh I could see myself like turning around the homeless shelter and then now pretty soon I'm asked to be a speaker to go to other homeless shelters and then like, who knows, maybe we start franchising homeless shelters. <laughs> and then I was like, spoken like a true a business homeless shelter. <laughs> it's like you go into your deepest fear and then next thing you know, it's just an opportunity. I love it. It's so good. <laughs> and all of a sudden it just didn't make it scary anymore, you know? Yeah, and you've been so in those steps, Ashley, like you built this multi-million dollar business yes. and then you went to the depths and it's like, yeah. And you survived. Yeah. You're alive. Yeah. And it's also going to actually make you way wiser for the next. And like almost anybody who's built a multi-million, multi-billion dollar business can look back in their history and have like, Oh, there's a graveyard or something that happened there. Totally. Totally. <laughs> oh, <something> there. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Oh, there's one. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I think that when you go into your fears, for me, one of my biggest fear was losing all of my money. And that came from my dad losing all of his money when I was six and us having to lose our home. And, and it sure enough, you know, when my course blew up and we had thousands of customers and it was a thousand dollar product. It was like, Oh my gosh. Like it felt like, um, it felt like money was raining. And then I well, lost a ton of that money in taking some risks as one does when they like to take risks. And it was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me, Vanessa, because I remember when I met you particularly, I was in fear and I was holding on really tight to wanting to create this course. And I think, one of the biggest shifts that I've undergone over the years is like holding on to my dreams with looser hands. It's not yeah. that I'm like not devoted to them. It's more just that there's spaciousness in my life and in my heart for other things to come in. And I give myself p- full permission to experience whatever those things are. And a lot of the times I think people might look at me and think, Oh my gosh, she's so scattered. She has, she's writing a book right now and getting her book deal and she has a podcast and she does business coaching and career coaching and she also has an e-course, but it's like, no, I'm just so, and I take DJ lessons, <laughs> by the way. I like that. I know. <laughs> D- DJ Ash turning it up, but like, Oh my God. <laughs> I know. You should see me in my place and. LA. It's like me and my little DJ, you know, software. But the point is, it's like, I'm not scattered. I'm someone who's given herself full permission to explore her interests without attachment to whether they're meant for me or not. And I think that so many people are in a place, right, Vanessa, where they just sit there and wonder and wonder and wonder. And it's like, well, why not just explore this and explore that and give yourself permission and dump it, you know? And it's funny. People say jack of all trades and master of none. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Jack of all trades and highly interesting. You know, mm-hmm. 
you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, it's so true. And, you know, what I call them is like breadcrumbs, God's breadcrumbs. Yeah. It's like, just follow the breadcrumbs. Like, I just had, no kidding, this week, a situation where somebody posted something on Facebook on a on a comment. And I was like, huh, I've never heard of that company before. I went, I looked them up, I called the company it turns out like there's a major, major opportunity that they're like, oh yeah, we could totally hook this up. And then I, from that, I saw somebody else who was on their platform and I'm like, oh, his cell phone number's on his site. I'm going to call him. I called him and he's like a total mentor in this space that I'm like exploring this other thing. And he's like, here, do this, do that. Don't do this. And I'm just like, okay, God, like this is major breadcrumb. I was not anticipating this in the whole journey, but I'm going to follow this breadcrumb path. I don't know where it's going, but I, like you said, allowing the spaciousness to see what unfolds. And yes. it's always been the most magical journey. It's like when, like, even when you and I were, were meeting right in, in yes. LA, you're like, we were sitting in the back of an Uber, I think like a, an Uber black car. And you're like, why do I feel like I'm looking at a future version of myself? <laughs> do you remember that? You hadn't yeah. launched your course yet. Yeah. And it's like those, those magical moments that we met like in at that event. And it's like those things occur if you just allow that really maybe things could come turn out more magically than what you imagine. But a car in motion is going to get to a destination <laughs> faster than one that's just sitting parked waiting for it to be safe or waiting for the entire journey to be laid out. It just doesn't work like that. Yeah, it's so true. And also what you said about fear and like exploring, like what is the worst thing that can happen? You know, it's funny. Um, I, you know, writing my book right now, this book agent, she's very fancy and a lovely woman, but she doesn't want to babysit me, which is totally fine, except I kind of need babysitting. And I was talking to her and I was talking to my mom and I'm like, I just have writer's block. And my mom looks at me and she rolls her eyes the other day and she goes, you don't have writer's block. It's like, you've never had talking block before. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, yeah, I've never had talking block before. She's like, son, what is this writer's block you speak of? And I'm like, wow, it's just fear that whatever I'm going to write down isn't going to be good enough. And Mm -hmm. the more you can work with those deeper things that come from the pain and the memories that you were talking about, the closer you can get to just freeing your, all your energy up to go take action and explore the things that you're interested and curious about. Even if they become a no go for you, you can become a Jack of all trades or a Hannah of all trades and a master of everything. Mm hmm. Gosh, such an amazing, and Vanessa, just a few questions for, but for us to finish up, um, is there a quote that you live by? Mm. Um, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive. Cause that's what the world needs or more people who have come alive. Mm. I love that. And is there something you're loving right now, whether it's a class or a ritual or a book uh, that you would love to share with everybody? I'm loving weekly massages. <laughs> <laughs> You've been loving those for years, Vanessa. I want, I want them three times a week, girlfriend. Like I think three <laughs> times a week will be awesome. Um, I am. Um, what else am I loving? I'm loving hot yoga. I'm loving 
Um, I'm loving my boys. I'm loving, I'm loving my boys. Um, beautiful mom you are. I'm loving, I'm loving that I can, I'm learning to like, I think one of the, the biggest words that I hold on to for myself is grace, like just grace to myself, receiving grace, um, flowing in grace. It's just, it's just something that is a practice because, um, I just experienced so much like this feeling like I had to do it right or I had, I could do it wrong or that, that I had to be more, I had to do more in order to be fully loved and accepted. And it's just like, Oh my gosh, there's so much more grace. And if we'll give that to ourselves, like that's the most important person to give it to you. We're so much more gracious to others, but like receiving grace for ourselves. So that's a practice that I'm always in. Yeah, definitely. And I always think about that because the more irritable or unhappy you see people towards others, you're like, wow, they must be so hard on themselves. What a bummer to be in that mm-hmm. body and mind. So I get it. Um, mm-hmm. Well, where can people find you? I know we said at VanessaHorn.com. Um, is there anything fun that you're up to that you can let everybody know about or where else they could find stuff from you? Yeah, I have a Facebook group called um, that people can get to if they go to the domain jointhefreegroup.com. And we're having these conversations where it's, you know, that, like we're having here, discovering your purpose. Why do you do what you do? What is your zone of genius? How can you get really good at sales? How can you make money from what you do? And right now I'm running a little mini series um, of behind the scenes of how to build an international luxury brand from home because it's like everything I do is from home. Um, and so I'm giving like all the behind the scenes of it all. It's been a fun series that people have enjoyed. Vanessa, thank you so much for joining me on the show. It's been so much fun to reconnect with you in this way. Likewise. Thank you for having me. What an honor. And I'm so excited to see how your journey unfolds. And for the listeners that are here today, you're in such a wonderful place learning from this brilliant mind, (laughs) Ashley, and what she's curating here. So it's a complete joy to be here. Oh, I love you, Vanessa. It's so good to talk. Hey there, this is Ashley Stahl. I have to apologize in advance. I spent the past weekend at a seminar and my voice is totally struggling. And, you know, to be honest, I I was thinking before I started this audio for you, man, I I sound like a sex hotline or something like, hello, thank you for calling 1-800-HOOKERS or something like that. So hopefully you can still take me seriously because this is very serious. Sorry, a little sip of water. Um... So many people live their entire lives out of their head. And when you can help someone through a conversation, not by telling them what to do, but by asking them questions that support them to get into their heart, you can change their lives. You can change your own life. So if you think about it, um, following your heart is, is a way of being in the flow. And when you start to check in with it and ask it questions, uh, and really connect to yourself. <clears throat> you learn how to let life coach you. You learn how to let life lead you. Uh, whatever is happening in your mind. I mean, what is the mind here for? The mind is here to protect you. It's your ego. And it's here for survival. And it's been doing this for, you know, thousands of years for our species. 
and it's great. I mean, the mind does help you survive, but if you're interested in thriving, if you're interested in being more joyful, then my recommendation is to explore the heart and to start to live from it as much as you can. And one thing I just want to talk about is fear, because I think a lot of the times when we are afraid of something, we retreat into the mind. Uh, maybe you're going to bed late at night, you want to break up with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, and that fear could be so overwhelming that you might tell yourself stories in your head, right, your mind, as you're making your decision, your mind is telling you, no, 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 this is a great match for you. You, you know, you don't want to be alone. Da, 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 da. It's all about survival. But if you were bold enough, courageous enough, honest enough to check in with your heart, to really close those eyes, and you can do this anytime and just allow for some silence. What you're going to find is an answer that is so real and so true and so actionable. Almost always, I want to say always, but it felt a little too bold. So I'm just going to say almost always, but for me, it's always. And, you know, sometimes I'll have to give my heart time. I'll say, let, let, you know, I'll, I'll tell myself that I'm waiting for the answer to come and I'll just give the space for that. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's one of the most powerful things you could do. So, yeah, I would just say, you know, the boldness that comes with doing that. Maybe there's a decision in your life about your career and you're in your head about it. Maybe you want to leave your job because you hate it. But in your head, your your head is impeding your decision making because you're saying, well, you know, I don't know if I can make this kind of money somewhere else. I don't know if I could get this kind of position somewhere else. Whatever it is, you're just telling yourself a ton of stories because your head is here for survival and it feels scary and threatening to do what you actually want to do. Um, but here's my question for you. What is the point of life? If you are constantly talking to yourself versus doing what you want to do, <clears throat> you know, I was, I was just taking a walk the other day and I went past a man and I think he had schizophrenia. He was just talking, talking, talking. And I just looked at him and sent him, sent him light as I was walking past him. And I kind of thought to myself, we are all like that on the inside. Like this guy is talking, talking, talking on the outside, but on the inside, there's so many of us, you know, and he has an illness that he's battling, but there's so many of us that battle a version of this illness in ourselves. And it is the illness of the addiction to making decisions through our mind. And so my challenge for you is if you don't like your job, if you don't like your partner, if you aren't happy about your body, if you, you know, wish you could change your circumstances, my invitation is to start to check in with your heart and be radically honest with yourself. Because the more willing you are to be honest with yourself, the more power you have to change your life in such a powerful, memorable way. And the gift in all of it is not just changing your life through that one or two decisions that you make, but changing your life through the way that you be starting to live through the heart, you know, and a lot, you know, I remember in particular, um, I, and, and to be frank, building my business, it took a lot of mental strength. It took a lot of, uh, willingness to push through, you know, my little heart, uh, you know, up at one in the morning, <clears throat> you know, wanting to go to bed 
and my mind saying, you can't go to bed. You've got to keep pushing. And then a lot of times that's great. You know, sometimes that gives us mental endurance, but my heart won in the end, uh, because eventually three years into building this company, I couldn't push anymore. It was like my heart demanded, demanded that I slow down and it is so deep in my cells in the fiber of my being to be feminine, to be, um, nurturing. And my heart just got to a point where it wouldn't allow me to keep pushing. It wanted me to nurture myself. And if there's any message that I want to leave you on with this particular audio from me to you, it's this, if you're having trouble making a decision, put a ladder from your mind down to your heart. Ask yourself truly what you already know, because 99.999, you know me, I'm scared to say a hundred percent of the time, the answer is already there or it's on its way and it's going to start in your heart. And if you're feeling like victory in some area of your life is far away, I want to remind you, especially if you're having a dark night of the soul, that victory is around the corner. A lot of the times it's like sports. It's like you are missing the mark by just millimeters. I am telling you, uh, when I started my online course, the limitless career lab for job hunters, I was struggling to get this thing out in the world and I had webinars and I mean, God knows like emails and phone calls and oh my God, so much stuff trying to figure out how the hell do I sell this thing that I believe in and that I think can change people's lives if they follow it. And the answer that I ended up getting was, you know, I mean, the, the real answer that I ended up getting was that I just needed to keep tweaking one of the things that I was doing, people kept saying, tweak, tweak, tweak. And I thought, tweak, this whole thing is a throwaway. Um, you know, I was doing live webinars and all these presentations and I was like, this doesn't even work. And lo and behold, the more I tweaked it, the more it started to work. And next thing I know, we have 5,000 job seekers in the Lamillis career lab in 2016 alone, all over the world, 25 countries. <clears throat> and that's because I was willing to tweak and the reason that I tell you this as well is because when you're making decisions from your heart, know that the outcomes that that may have in your life don't always have to be big and radical. You might just be a couple tweaks away from the reality that you really, truly yearn for and what I wish for you. So with that said, I hope you use this exercise to start closing your eyes and checking in with yourself, asking for the answers from your heart. And if they're not there, um, trust that they will be and allow the space for them to come to you. Don't force yourself to get answers right now. Uh, and as I want to leave you with the question that my old coach used to ask me years and years ago, she said, what do you know that you wish you didn't know? What do you know that you wish you didn't know? All right. Signing off again. This is Ashley Stahl. Uh, just here to tell you I love you. All right. Take care. Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. You can find all of the resources that our guest mentioned on our show notes at U-TurnPodcast.com. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N Podcast.com. Also, don't forget, on the website, we've got our four 
free e-courses, whether you want to land a new job you love, get clarity on the best career path for you, launch your dream business, or deepen your romantic relationships, I'll talk to you soon. Can't wait to connect on next week's episode. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam, on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.